Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, you guys, and thank you so much for coming into this new episode. I want to tell you guys a little bit about what this episode is about, why I decided to do it, and what it is going to be covering today. So I decided to do this episode because my guest, who I will be introducing you guys in a minute, has a really great thing that he has done to help him with healing PTSD. And I know I did an episode previously about yoga, yoga and healing, healing PTSD through yoga therapy. But my guest this time is going to be talking about jujitsu, jujitsu and how that has helped heal his PTSD that he has experienced from the time that he was serving in the army. And I thought his story was super eye-opening, very inspiring, very helpful. He had some really great tips, really great advice, really great insight into this because I don't know a lot. Actually, you know what? I don't know anything about jujitsu. So we'll start there. I don't know anything about this. So I learned a lot from this conversation and I'm recording this after we already recorded. So I'm doing this after the episode, which was really great to be able to connect with him and actually virtually sit down and hear him share his his story on this and why he decided to try it. Why did he decide to try jujitsu? And I know for me, the biggest question I had and I wanted to, to learn about is what things, what other things did he try? And did he try to look into, learn about, and step into to see if that could help with PTSD? And we get into some of those things as well. So he's, he talks about, you know, his experience with different medications, you know, with therapy. And you guys know I've done an episode on my own experiences with that. So that's why I found this interesting is to hear his perspective on this, his take on this, and how this has affected his life and how it's also really greatly impacted the lives of his friends that he has met through his service and how they've connected him with trying jujitsu. And also he we get into a little bit of you know, what does it do for symptoms you're experiencing? What are the benefits of trying this out? And, you know, he has really great advice at the end that I'm not going to, I'm not going to say too much because I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. It's going to spoil it. And it's going to ruin it for you guys. But the episode today is about PTSD and trying to heal that through 
jujitsu and what it can do for you, what the benefit, what are the benefits you can get out of that? What is it going to do for you that, you know, maybe other things you've tried in the past have not worked for you? You know, maybe you're still having very hard time sleeping, a lot experiencing a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of overwhelming feelings and frightening moments and memories that are resurfacing coming up that you have not been able to to get get away from or get out of trying other things. So this is a really great alternative and something that I'm very happy that he, you know, is continuing to spread awareness about, continue to advocate for. And, you know, even if you're listening to this and you are not a veteran, you are not somebody who has served in the army, military, or anything else like that at all. You're just, you're just someone listening to this who maybe has had some kind of PTSD, some kind of trauma, some kind of something, and you just want to understand or learn about a new way that could potentially help you with that, then this is a great episode for you. And you will get a lot out of this one and a lot out of the conversation that I do have with my guest who is going to be coming on in a minute. All right, guys, hope you love this episode. Hope you enjoy it. And like always, you can be, if you can feel free to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, five-star review. Let me know, you know, what you think of this episode, what your thoughts are, what your takeaways are. And yeah, so let's get right into it, guys. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. Today, we are going to be talking about PTSD and many other things related to this and my guest story. Joining me today is Brent Magnuson. He is a best-selling American author, professional speaker, and a former U.S. Army combat engineer. Brent sits on the board of the Resilient Warrior Foundation, a nonprofit organization that serves U.S. veterans and first responders who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder acquired during their service. RWF provides scholarships to veterans and first responders with, P with PTSD to study the art of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the academy of their choice. Brent is here with me today to talk about something that helped him and so many others with PTSD, jiu-jitsu. We will also hear some of Brent's story along with the benefits jiu-jitsu has done for him. So without further ado, I welcome Brent to the podcast. Yeah, what's up, Paris? Good to be what's with you. Up? Good to be with you as well. So excited to have you on today, hear a little bit about your background, your story, and how what we're going to be getting into has helped you today. So, you know, if you could just let us know, you know, a little bit about yourself and your story. Yeah, so uh, Brent Magnuson, I'm the author of the book, Roger Up. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and uh, yeah, grew up very athletic, got into martial arts and soccer at a very young age, started wrestling in fifth grade, and after sports didn't take me to the, uh, the professional level that most kids and most young athletes want, I always knew the, uh, the military, specifically the Army, was going to be a, a backup plan. Uh, most of the men in my family have served, so I knew that was, uh, I knew that was probably going to happen, and uh, yeah, so I enlisted in 96 uh, as a combat engineer and got to serve with a bunch of amazing people. Uh, got to deploy to some interesting places and see some amazing things and some terrible things and everything in between. And after the Army, um, I did a little more work uh, with the government and then kind of went off on my own, became entrepreneurial and recently started writing the last three or four years, put the book out this year. And uh, in addition to that, I, I go out and speak professionally and uh, 
yeah, I'm obsessed with meatballs too. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. Love that. That's always great. Um, I was excited to connect with you to hear about, you know, the story and your background with, you know, the work you've done in the military and along with that, you know, your entrepreneurial stuff as well. Um, but also, you know, one of the biggest things that um, stuck with me last time we talked was when you got into jujitsu and, you know, how, how that whole process was for you, what it was like what your thoughts were going into that, you know, the benefits you got out of it. Cause I was really interested. Cause I know for myself, I don't know a lot about it. You know, I pretty much know nothing about it. So to talk with you and really hear how that was something for you that was helpful for you with dealing with, with PTSD, that was really interesting to me. So, you know, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what was that like, you know, when you first started doing jujitsu? Yeah, so I'll tell you this. You and I are new friends. We've had a uh, we had one uh, forty five minute phone call, but I <laughs> promise you, you will be fully educated on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And there's probably a ninety percent chance you're gonna start training in the next week. And I'll uh, I'll keep in touch with you. I know you're in Arizona. There's some amazing Jiu Jitsu in Arizona, and uh, we can connect after this and get you going. You're awesome. you're young. You're young, and. Uh, Jiu-jitsu is, okay, so for your listening audience, I'll give a very brief um, intro or bio, if you will, on what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is, and then I'll talk a little bit about how it's affected me, what we're doing with RWF, and if I get too long-winded, please just give me a sign to shut up. Awesome, no problem. <laughs> um, so the shirt I'm wearing, it just it came out of the closet. Uh, it's the Gracie family. So the Gracie family essentially started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. In the very early 1920s, a Japanese man came over to Brazil and he brought with him, even though he was there more in a political capacity, he brought with him his Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. It was very heavy, based in Judo. And the Gracie family was taught this art. Now, these Gracies were smaller men in stature, maybe five foot six, 140 pounds. So they couldn't really execute this martial art from Japan that relied more heavily on strength and, and uh, brute and brawn and athleticism. So they decided, the brothers of Elio and Carlos decided to dedicate their lives to making this martial art applicable to the smaller person in the event they're attacked by a larger person. So instead of strength, they relied on technique. Instead of athleticism, they relied on leverage. And what you have almost 100 years later is by far and away the most effective way of fighting. And more importantly, for every man, woman, and child out there, it's the most effective form of self-defense. Mm. It's actually the only thing that really works if you're on your back and there's a much larger, stronger male trying to do harm to you you actually are gonna know what to do. Not what all the nonsense in the movie shows and everything, you're actually gonna know practically, realistically, what to do based on what actually works. And it's just, uh, it's an amazing thing. So aside from all the physical attributes that jujitsu gives you, the ability to defend yourself, if you wanna pursue it competitively, if you wanna get into the UFC and become a professional fighter, it's the basis for everything in fighting. You. 90 plus percent of fights end up on the ground and you need to know what to do when you get there. And more importantly, in the event that you end up there, the more comfortable you are there, the better off you're going to be in that terrible situation. 
So let's take it a step further and say, okay, this is great. I'm going to learn how to choke someone and do a fancy arm bar, and that's great. How does it translate into the rest of my life? Excellent question, Brent. So it <laughs> translates into your life because, and, and this is how it relates to what we're doing with veterans. So the Resilient Warrior Foundation, we're a 501c3. We work with veterans and first responders that suffer from PTSD they acquired in service to this country. And we pay for their jujitsu every month at any academy of their choice mm -hmm. anywhere in the United States. Wow. How did you so, get involved uh, with the Resilient Warrior Foundation? Yeah. So a very good friend of mine, a fellow veteran and a fellow jujitsu guy, uh, Matt Davidson, started this about a year and a half ago because he had a friend that he had served with and his friend was suicidal. And he said, listen, man, train jujitsu for a month. I'll go with you every day. Whatever we need to do, it's going to change your life. And it did. Wow. And uh, basically in the military from day one. So the first day I got to basic training in the army, which is nine weeks, you were put in, regardless of how you grew up, you grew up wealthy, you grew up poor, whatever, your demographic, your race, your sexual orientation, it doesn't matter. From day one, it's a hundred miles an hour of chaos. You've got some lunatic in a drill sergeant hat at four o'clock in the morning, screaming at you, calling you names you've never heard of telling you to do push-ups, spraying you down with a hose, all this craziness. So essentially from day one, minute one, you're learning stress management. You're learning to deal with anxiety. And after you get out of the military, regardless of how long you served, slowly you lose that framework and structure and that starts to go away. So what jujitsu does for a lot of veterans, especially veterans and folks struggling with PTSD, depression, anxiety, it reteaches you how to handle and manage stress. Mm. And so if you're a smaller guy and you're in their training, you're a 150 pound guy and you've got a 230 pound gorilla on top of you and he's dripping sweat into your eyes and he's trying to strangle you and you survive that situation. You leave that gym and that training center a better person because you just went through tremendous adversity. You just did more than 90% of the people on the planet did as far as like dealing with your emotions and it translates into your life. It translates to your family. It translates into your confidence and how you deal with stress and handle situations. It translates into work, into your dating life, everything. And it makes better people. And um, yeah, jujitsu is yeah, just I like so how important. You, I like how you describe that to me because I remember last time we were talking about this, you said coming out of the military. You know, you're not used to having all the stuff that you did when you were there, all the things that were going on at that time because you're home and you, and you were telling me, you know, the transition of that and, you know, going home to your family and your wife not understanding, you know, why is he acting this way? Why is he behaving this way? Not really understanding that and having jujitsu is an outlet that's similar to what you were experiencing before in the military, that you're cha continuously challenging yourself and doing that, that type of work and doing that. Because I know you said that that was one of the things that you were saying, um, isn't really taught to people coming out. You know, how do you deal with that? How do you transition? Because you said they do a great job of, you know, when you come into it with that, but then leaving and transitioning out of that is the part that, was almost like a gap that I kind of got from, you know, from you and seeing that that wasn't really provided and seeing that, you know, what, what you're doing with jujitsu and what you're doing with this and offering that to, you know, people, you know, who've also served and seeing the benefits that they're getting out of that, because, you know, that was just a really interesting comparison for me to hear 
to hear about that and to hear about your experience with that. Yeah, you know, and, and like I, I mentioned, and, and the military is doing as a whole a better job, mm-hmm. I think, each year. But overall, the military does a phenomenal job in every capacity, whatever, whatever branch you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, they do an amazing job of training you up. But once you're out and getting out, transitioning you out into the real regular world with normal people, with the civilian life, is uh, it's a struggle and they don't do anywhere near as good a job in transitioning you out as they do training you up while you're in. So most veterans, when they get out, don't know about a lot of organizations like the Resilient Warrior Foundation. All they know is, I don't feel right. I'm not sleeping. I've got headaches. I'm stressed out of my mind. I don't know what's wrong with me. And they go to the VA. And not to throw the VA under the bus because they do do some amazing things, but at the same time, the VA does a phenomenal job of diagnosing a problem and then throwing pills at, at, mm-hmm. at veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, the amount of veterans that are committing suicide every day is, is that number we all hear, 22. And roughly 16 or 17 of those, on average, are at a minimum of three medications from the VA. Wow. And a lot of times... You know, you get on one medication and then you need another medication to calm that one down. And before you know it, you're in this crazy cycle and you're on seven, eight, nine meds. And then if there's any type of alcohol or anything involved with that as well, I mean, it's a downward spiral. So many guys and gals getting out deal with. And the faster that transition, that healthy transition is addressed and any issues that are coming up are addressed. The faster that happens, the better off that veteran's going to be. I mean, I know people that have been struggling for 15 years, mm-hmm. 20 years, 10 years, wow. and they're finally now just hearing about other, other things, alternatives to just the VA, going to a psychiatrist and getting medication. Mm-hmm. So stuff like this, I mean, they complement other conventional therapies so well. And um, jujitsu is just, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And as a female yourself, being a young female, you're attractive and plenty of guys are going to want to talk to you and get your phone <laughs> number you. and all that. But I mean, it's, you know, I never really had that grow that growing up. I never really had that. Um, I mean, I was a skinny kid. I got bullied in like fourth grade, but after that I was, I was okay. I never really worried about being physically dominated by another human being. Mm-hmm. And I know as a, as a smaller female, that's always something that could happen. And the more cognizant you are of the fact that that is a possibility, or you could end up in a bad situation. If you're at a party and you've had too much to drink and there's some jerk there that wants to try and take advantage of you, whatever the situation is, knowing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is just another tool in your tool belt, like times 10, because it, it gives you that situational awareness mm-hmm. and one of the biggest misconceptions with martial arts that I talk about all the time, specifically jujitsu is the more likely, you know, the more, how should I say this? The more you actually know how to fight and the more you actually know how to defend yourself, Mm -hmm. the less likely you are to actually ever get in a fight. And people hear that and they think that's crazy, but it's true because through all this time you're learning actually how to deescalate a situation. There's a bullyproof program in Gracie jujitsu that all these kids go through and they're taught how to use their words, how to have confident posture, how to deal with bullies. And then as a last resort, if it has to get physical, it will. 
And I think wow. even as yeah. adults, we could learn how to do that and be more effective with that. I mean, 95% of fights are caused because of alcohol or ego. And if we take those out of it, and I can only speak from a male perspective because we have much more problems <laughs> with our egos than you ladies do. <laughs> but if we take those two things out of it and actually know what to do when, when, when the proverbial shit hits the fan, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's, it's a good thing to have in your tool belt. Yeah, I think anybody could benefit from that. Anybody, like you said, anybody could benefit from having those skills, knowing that, understanding and learning that and being able to apply that. So, you know, for you, I would love to hear about, you know, what has the practice of jujitsu done for you in terms of healing the PTSD that you experienced? Yeah, so I've, uh, so I had some uh, head trauma in 1998 on a deployment to Bosnia. And ever since then, so that's 22 years now, I'm getting old. Uh, ever since then, I've had, I've dealt with headaches. I've dealt with lots of sleep issues. Um, I have significant hearing loss in my right ear from it. And all these things, they just kind of grow and grow and grow. And one of the things when I got into jujitsu around 2007, 2008, is what I talked about earlier. I started noticing those things. And, you know, if you ask any veteran, what he or she misses the most about, we'll say the army. I'll just speak from my experience. It's not the deployments. It's not the training. It's not the guns and the grenades and all that. It's the camaraderie. It's that one word camaraderie. And I've been chasing that since the early 2000s when I got out. And the two things I have found, that, well, the number one thing I've found that comes closest to that is definitely jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you have like-minded people there from all different walks of life, just trying to better themselves, trying to be better people, more prepared for the battlefield of life. And I think, uh, I think for me personally, it's given me, you know, I'm a competitive guy. And when you're dealing with sleep issues and, and you can't understand why your brain feels a certain way that it does, uh, it gets frustrating. And jujitsu's really helped me figure out a lot of those things, just like you have to figure things out in, uh, in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I love that you bring up that P like the camaraderie. How do I <laughs> come? Wait, say that word. Camaraderie. It's like, why am I messing up <laughs> saying this word? Okay. Yeah. I love that you bring up that piece. Cause I feel like, you know, out of anything that you just described, you know, missing different things or what is it that you would miss the most or want the most, or try to find, you know, when you're coming back to normal life like what, what is that, that you were missing the most and having, you know, those relationships, those bonds and being able to see that in jujitsu and have that from that. And also the skills and the, the, the things that you're doing, you know, when you're in that moment, in that class, in that fight, whatever it may be, and kind of really being able to, to, to say that, you know, this is something that has helped you through something that you haven't been able to get through with traditional things, you know, that we talked about, like therapy, medications, you know, all these different things that people, you know, try and go through. And, and sometimes it works for people. Sometimes it doesn't, but you know, if it doesn't work, it's like when you're sitting there, okay, now what, you know, what's next. And I like how you also bring up, you know, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of other vet veterans out there who also experience the same thing, right. You know, where they go through that and they have, you know, they're on this medication, that medication, this thing, that thing, but they're, they're still struggling, still searching for something that will actually make them feel a, a certain way that they haven't been able to obtain. So I think that's really great that you, that you found that through doing jujitsu jiu and having that. 
and raising that awareness is so important, especially mm -hmm. in the veteran community. It's less than 2% of the American population. So, you know, for me, I'll, I'll just say two things. So there's a, a big stigma in the veteran community, and that is one of the hardest things to do is ask for help, especially if you're in a combat unit or you were in a combat unit and you're deploying a lot, you're constantly told, like, it doesn't really matter what it is. Rub some dirt on it and move on. We have a mission to complete. And, you know, when you get that ingrained in you, um, especially if you're in a combat unit, the, the two words you don't want to hear are non-deployable, which means you can't deploy. You can't go do your job. And, um, you know, when you hear those, it's devastating. And I think there are so many veterans and so many that I've met that wait two, five, 10 plus years to ask for help. And it doesn't need to take that long. Listen, I, I got my first, I got my bell rung really, really bad for the first time in 1998 in flipping Bosnia. Mm -hmm. Right now, when I'm talking to you, I'm in Boca Raton, Florida. I am down here with an amazing nonprofit called the 22 Project. And what they do is they, they service essentially veterans with cognitive issues, mental health issues, TBIs, PTSD, all that stuff. And they do hyperbaric chamber oxygen therapy, HBOT. So I'm down here doing 40 sessions of hyperbaric chamber oxygen therapy. And I just started, uh, today was my second day. You're, in, you're doing two a day. Each session's about 80 minutes. Um, and uh, I'm still chasing stuff down. I sit on the flipping board of a nonprofit, the Resilient Warrior Foundation, and I didn't even know about this until mm. a month ago when my friend Brian Fleming, an Afghanistan wounded veteran with an amazing story, um, went through this program and said it changed his life. For 13, wow. years, since he, for 13 years since he was out, this guy had a suicide bomber clack off his vest five feet from his Humvee. He spent 14 months at the hospital. They had to take his skin off with razor blades. This guy got all banged up and burned and everything. And for the last 13 years, up until a few months ago when he came down here, he didn't go to bed before midnight and always had race thoughts and always had sleep issues and all this other stuff that I'm seeing very consistent themes with the other guys down here. And he did this and he's in bed by 9 30, 10 o'clock every night with his wife who wow. sat on, who sat on camera mm -hmm. in the 12 or 13 years they've been married. She can count on one hand the amount of times they've gone to bed together. So it's a constant quest. It's constantly trying to figure out what works for you. And by making veterans and first responders aware of the fact that there are alternatives, you know, you, you, you just, you know, we as humans, we all have our traumas. We all have our bullshit. We got to, we got to deal with. We've all got stuff in the basement that, that we need to eventually open up those boxes and deal with them. And a lot of them are scary. Some of them are terrifying. And whether you endured uh, a severe car accident or sexual trauma, or you were molested as a kid, or you have PTSD from, from combat in the military, or whatever your trauma is, it's all the same. PTSD or PTS, I leave the disorder off. PTSD, it doesn't care if you're 25 or 50. It doesn't care if you're black, Chinese. It doesn't care if you're gay. It doesn't care if you're young or old. It, doesn't, it does not discriminate. PTS is nasty. It is an equal opportunity hater. Mm -hmm. And it's how aggressive you get in combating that and how aggressive you get with, okay, you know what? 
This is something that I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life. I'm going to take it head on because I'm not going to let it own me. I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to fight that dragon. And even if I lose, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to go back to fighting again. And um, I really appreciate folks like you that have, you know, podcasts like this because all it takes is one guy or gal that's dealing with PTSD. And it may not even be a veteran. It may be, like I said, someone who suffered sexual trauma or a horrific car accident or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. This is going to inspire them to say, hey, you know what? Maybe before I go the Xanax and the Vicodin and the Adderall and the blah, 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 blah route, and before I drink myself into alcoholism and before I end up going from Vicodins to heroin and all these crazy stories we hear about all the time in the civilian and the veteran world, maybe for my pain, I'll try going to a chiropractor first because they're not going to want to do surgery on me after one or two visits. Maybe instead of going to a psychiatrist, I'll talk to a social worker or a psychologist that can't prescribe medication mm -hmm. and doesn't want to talk about medication. They actually want to talk about stuff. Maybe I'll look into hyperbaric chamber oxygen therapy. Maybe I'll look into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Maybe I'll do all these different things. So, you know, I know I got long-winded, Paris, but... <laughs> no, I love shit, it. I love it, yeah. This shit is so important to me, and it's just, you know, like there's so many people out there that, that I meet when I go out and speak or that have emailed me or messaged me from the book that have nothing to do with the military. They were never in the military. No one in their family was ever in the military, but something in there sparked something like, you know what? I do deal with this stuff. And I don't know why I, I think a certain way. I don't know why I can't sleep. I don't know why. I've, so it's so important yeah. that people no, like you is. are doing this. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, I think, I think it is so important. I, you know, and I appreciate, you know, your, you, your enthusiasm and you getting into this and describing all this, because I feel like it is so important to, to do what you're doing, which is raising awareness that there are different options out there, you know, because I feel like so many people, and also you bring up that point too, of, you know, when you're, when you're a veteran, there's this stigma of not asking for help and not wanting to talk about things that are hurting you or making you feel like you can't do your job or you can't, do a lot of things because you're, you're just taught that way, told, told that way. And I feel like it's, it's really necessary to put that out there and to talk about, you know, what has worked for you and what you've done. And, and even if you aren't in the military, even if you aren't a veteran, even if, you know, like you, you brought up those examples of people who had car accidents, sexual trauma, whatever it is that you experienced that has caused you to have, you know, these experiences, these traumas, these PTSDs, and being able to go through, you know, and look at different, things that you could try. And I think it's great to put that out there because maybe people listening don't never knew about this. You know, they, maybe they're like, Oh, I never knew that I could try jujitsu. I never knew about hyperbaric. I never knew what that was. I never knew what this was. And now they can go out and check it out and look into it and, you know, hear from you that it worked for you and, you know, and what it's done for people, you know, and friends of yours as well. So I feel like that's, you know, great to keep, to keep putting that out there, to keep spreading that awareness. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd also really love to hear from you about, you know, how, how do you compare your experience with practicing jujitsu with what it has done for your PTSD compared to taking medications or other forms of therapy or treatment that you've tried? Uh, the medications nearly killed me, uh, probably cost me at least two relationships with quality women, um, made me distant. The medications made me antisocial. I'm a very social guy. Um, 
I'm sure my family, um, you know, lost a lot of sleep wondering what the hell is wrong with Brent? Mm -hmm. You know, like why, why do I see this guy? And he's a young, you know, athletic guy and he's got bags under his eyes because he hasn't slept for three days. What's going on here? And that medication, all it is at the end of the day, and I'm not saying that it doesn't work for anyone, but, uh, it's for me, it was basically a band-aid on a gaping chest wound. Mm. And uh, that's only going to stick for so long. And uh, I was fortunate to have really strong people around me. And it, I just need to segue to one thing because it's so important. It's probably the number two thing I get feedback from in the book. Um, people emailing me, people DMing me, messaging me, Facebook messages. I get so much stuff about this. And that is the chapter I wrote on circle of influence. So circle of influence at the end of the day is who the hell are you hanging out with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And I talk about that old saying that you are the average of your five closest friends. So at the end of the day, if you're hanging out with five knuckleheads, you're, all, you're gonna be number six very soon. If you're hanging out with five broke people, it's only a matter of time till you're number six. If you're hanging out with five alcoholics, only a matter of time till you're number six. But if you're hanging out with five winners, if you're hanging out with five people that 1,000% want to see you succeed, if you're hanging out with five people that every day get up and hold themselves accountable and then want to hold you accountable, that's where all this comes into play. And one of the best places to find that is in jiu-jitsu. I'm not saying that every single person that trains Brazilian jiu-jitsu is amazing and is going to change your life. There's knuckleheads everywhere. There's knuckleheads that somehow snuck in the cracks and are in Delta Force or SEAL Team 6. There's somehow knuckleheads more than, more than most in politics that somehow are now in very high places in our country. There are people that slip through the cracks of every walk of life and we wonder how the hell did this person get here? But for the most part, the people you're going to meet at jiu-jitsu, they're not spending five nights a week at the bar. They're, they're not at home beating their wives or husbands or kids. They're trying to be better. They're trying to be healthier. And, you know, at the end of the day, even though my vote and your vote's important, we can't control who's in the White House. I can't control coronavirus. I can't control who's wearing a flipping mask. I can't control what Kim and Chloe are doing and, and all this other nonsense. But I can control what time I get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I can control the content I can I consume and I can damn sure control the people I spend all my time with. I can control the people I surround myself mm -hmm. with. And for me, if it's the, if we're talking about five people, that's a basketball team, I want five Michael Jordans. And I know that's pretty unrealistic, but the second you make that switch for your listening audience right now, and you think about the five people you surround yourself with, you know there's one person there, that negative Nancy the crabs in the bucket. Every time you start doing good, they want to pull you down. Every time you start making a little more money or that pretty girl or that handsome guy wants to talk to you, they want to drag you down. That person needs to go. And, and instead of firing them, the best way to get rid of them is to start leveling up with oh, yeah. higher level mm -hmm. people. And the more you do that, it forces them to make a choice. Do I want to level up myself or am I just going to go about my negative ways? So focusing on who you surround yourself with is so important. It's changed my life and it's changed so many people's lives. Like I get these crazy, I wish I could pull some up. I get these crazy emails like, Hey, what's up, man? 
uh, thanks for your service, blah, 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 blah. I fired someone in my, in my, I fired one of my friends I've known for eight years. He's a knucklehead or like, it, it's crazy, but it's so powerful to see because when these bad times come and when that depression comes or that anxiety comes or whatever, those are the people you can lean on. And those are the people that want the best for you. And it's just another contingency plan for when things go wrong. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. You know, talking about, you know, the, that core group of people that you're surrounding yourself with, associating with every single day interactions with and all, you know, focusing on that and then really realizing that, you know, for you doing jujitsu has brought you that has brought you that. And along with the many other things. So for you, I want to, I want to ask you this. So what advice would you offer someone who is on the fence about trying to jujitsu to see if it will help them with their PTSD? I would say respectfully, if you don't, if you don't at least go give it a try, then I don't have a whole ton of sympathy for you. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's rough talk, but knowing you've got a guy right here, I'm, I'm screaming at you like Mussolini from the flipping balcony <laughs> that, that jujitsu is literally, I, I remember a couple of years ago, my nephew Carter, he was like seven at the time. And he, and he didn't see me the first, you know, being away. He didn't see me the first couple of years of his life more than once or twice a year. And uh, I remember he asked me, he's like, Uncle B, do you have any superpowers? Now that's a normal question for a seven-year-old, especially yeah. one that's really into Thor. <laughs> and I looked at him and I promised him when he was really little that I would never lie to him. And I looked at him, I said, yes, I do. I have, I have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And that wasn't a lie. It really, really, really is a superpower for kids, for women, for men. And if you're on the fence about it, the vast majority of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu schools that are legit, meaning they have a, a black belt instructor, they're an accredited school. If you have any questions about it, literally DM me, message me on Facebook, Brent Magnuson, um, and, I'll, and I'll even look at the school and let you know. Most of them have a week or a two-week free period. 99.9% .9 of the schools are going to have a free trial class or a free trial week. Go check it out. Just like for you guys out there, just like walking up to that really pretty girl is so scary for a lot of people walking into a martial arts school is so scary because you look in from the outside. It's like, whoa, all these people are rolling around and doing flips and like choking. Each other. Ooh, that looks scary. I know people that have walked past the gym 20 times before they actually went in. So overcome that fear. And just like Mel Robbins says, it's just a five second, one, two, three, yes. four, five, go. Yes. Whatever it is, if, if you're trying to kiss a girl for the first time, if you want to go up to that young breezy and say, what's up, my name is Brent. I think you're gorgeous. I don't care what your sign is. Would you like to dance? Whatever it is, yes. get over, knock it out. I love it. I love that because I feel like it's so true to, you know, when you bring that point up about overcoming that fear of doing it, that fear of trying it and sitting there and knowing what happens if you don't do it, you know, what's going to happen to you if you don't even try, if you don't even walk into the, into that gym, that facility and try it out, you know, do, see what it's like, see what you could do. Cause I feel like, you know, sometimes people can get tend to can get overwhelmed by all the things that can go wrong. You know, like you gave that example of someone walking up to a girl, right. And trying to ask them out, talk to them and being like, okay, what if she doesn't like me? What if she thinks I'm weird? What if she thinks, you know, there's all these, what ifs or this or that, or this could happen, but really being able to see, you know, what could this do for me that other things haven't been able to deliver that haven't been able to get me 
to sleep at night. Help me feel better. Help me feel in a better mindset. Help me stop being afraid of so many things and feeling this anxiety and feeling this, you know, all these different feelings that are really putting, keeping you in that box, that place that you box yourself into that place of just not being happy, not being fulfilled, not having a good time at all. And just really understanding that, you know, trying this out and seeing what it is and especially, you know, hearing from you, what it's done for you and anybody out there with PTSD or, you know, with, with who, maybe if you don't have it, you know, but seeing that this has helped you and seeing that you've tried, you know, a lot of other different things. And also, I love that you also bring up the point of, you know, medication isn't all bad. It works for some people, doesn't work for everybody, doesn't work for everyone. But, but you know, the people who it doesn't work for, they have the, the alternatives that you brought up that they could access and learn about and try. And that's what I'm really, was really excited about, you know, when we connected and you told me about the Resilient Warrior Warrior Foundation and how, you know, they support uh, veterans in doing this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu training and providing that as an outlet for somebody who, feels like they don't want to reach out. They don't want to talk about what's going on with them. They, they feel in a sense, almost hopeless or stuck or whatever it is. So I think that's amazing that, you know, that you, you know, agreed to talk to me and have this conversation and really put this out there and continue to spread awareness about this. Cause you know, it's, it's great. So Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's important stuff. And for your listening audience right now, I just, if you're watching this video, whenever it is 10 o'clock at night, two o'clock in the morning, I just want to talk to you, the veteran real quick. So first off, I genuinely thank you for your service to this amazing country. Number two, I don't care if you served two years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't care what branch you were in. I don't care what your MOS was. If you had trauma, if you are service, I'm going to speak a little army here, Paris. Okay. If you are service connected, if you have a service connected disability and you've been diagnosed with PTSD, reach out to us, resilientwarriorfoundation.org. Reach out to us and we're going to see what we can do to help you out. It's a very painless process. I'm going to probably call you, even though I'm slammed with a lot of things right now, um, while we're still growing, I'm probably going to call you. We're going to talk shop for a few minutes. You're going to send us a copy of your GD-214, which is your discharge papers. You're going to send me a copy of your service connection with your PTSD info, and we're going to get you going. We're going to contact the jiu-jitsu school. You're going to go do a free week or a free couple classes, and you're going to start your journey. And I promise you, I promise you, and this is something I'm, I'm more passionate about than really anything else in my life. If you're a veteran and you're struggling, ask for flipping help. It's okay. No yes. one's going to judge mm -hmm. you. Ask for help because this stuff will change your life. I promise you. Wow. I love that. Love that. Love that message. And, you know, love this whole conversation and just getting to, you know, connect with you, talk with you hear hear about this and hear about the foundation, the work that you're doing, you know, a little bit about your story, your experiences and kind of, you know, really how jujitsu has helped you with PTSD and how it can help other people as well. So, you know, I just want to say thank you to you, Brent, for, you know, making the time out of your schedule to come on here and do this with me and chat. And it's been great. I loved, you know, connecting with you. I'm excited to put this episode out so everyone can get, you know, the value from this and hear your message. So yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much too. And it's awesome again, that you're doing this. Kudos to you. Um, podcasting is a cool thing right now and it's popular and it's necessary, but there's a lot of BS out there. There's a lot of fluff. 
And um, it's cool. You're young. You're doing your thing. It's the real deal. And I genuinely appreciate you. Thanks to your listening audience and anyone that's watching this video. Uh, I, uh, I hope you got some value out of this. And uh, if you need to contact me, I'm Brent Magnuson on Facebook. The book Roger Up is on Amazon. And if you, your organization, or anyone else wants to hire me to come out and speak, you can get in touch with uh, Erica at Eagle Rise Speaker Bureaus. And I will come out to your organization and I will bring the fire. Yes, you guys heard it here. He will bring the fire. All right. So you guys, whether you are listening to this in the daytime, in the nighttime, whatever time, I hope that you guys have a beautiful rest of your day, night, evening, whatever it is. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to say goodbye to you guys on that note. And also goodbye to Brent. Bye, Brent. Hi. Right, thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.